Welcome to Geekspeak Sidekick, your companion to Australia's number one award-winning geek pop culture podcast, Geekspeak Live. I'm your host, the geek of all trades, Steve Muller. And I'm Geekspeak's boy wonder, Brendan. And boy wonder do we have a comics-filled issue for you. We do indeed. We've been talking about it for weeks. We have. We, we've finally caught up with all our comics and we're like, you know what? We've had enough of TV. Mm. We've had enough of games. Well, We've because had there's of nothing movies. on at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, let's talk comics. Yes. But we did want to quickly follow up something from last issue. Yes, some news. And yes, and I think, well, what better way to do it than in... What's been happening? Well, Steve, what has been happening... What has been happening is we spoke about Ant-Man. We did. In the last issue, specifically that Edgar lack, Wright... Lack of director. Yes, <laughs> that he'd left. And I did actually read something the other day. You know how we were trying to work out why he left? There was the whole creative differences thing that was... Mm. You know, it's the usual thing yeah, that gets around statement. when something like this happens. I read something the other day that apparently Marvel changed the script. Okay. Without, I, didn't, I didn't see that one. Without him knowing. Mm. Him and the other guy that were that's writing it with him, or was writing it with yeah. him. Yeah, apparently Marvel made some script changes that they weren't aware of, and that's what started it all. Okay. So I, I, I can't say whether it's completely true. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think there's except- a lot of rumour and stuff. I don't know if we'll ever fully know the truth, but... But it kind of falls into line with what we've been... what we were talking about yeah. with... You know, Marvel being so hands-on in these films, They've got it final would say on not everything. surprise me. No. But a little bit of news. Yeah, it broke early yesterday morning. Mm. I, I was onto it a couple of hours late. I wasn't awake at 3 a.m. <laughs> this time. You have failed as a sidekick. <laughs> yeah, um, the news came out that it has a director. Yeah, they finally picked one up. Yeah. Well, I say finally. It's only been a week. Yeah, uh, Peyton Reed. Oh, now why is that name familiar? Um, bring it on. Bring it on. And Jim Carrey film. Jim yes, Carrey. man. Yes. Oh. Which is kind of ironic. <laughs> yes, because uh, one of the our Geekspeak followers uh, made a comment on the article that you um, that you put up, and he said that their director choice is in line with the idea that they want Yes Men, ironic, really, to simply just do as they are told and churn out the movies. There is a reason they are using a lot of TV guys to make these movies now. They know how to do as they are told from the top and not question it. Hmm. Sounds, yeah, pretty much what we were talking about last issue with... uh, You said Kevin Smith had said something about it, didn't he? Yeah, he said how, uh, basically, that... You know, Marvel Marvel are there from the get-go with these things. Mm. Like, again, we, we pointed out last time that Edgar Wright, you know, had been attached to this movie since, since 2006. Yeah. But with since they've become, the, like I said, the sort of juggernaut uh, franchise film, mm. you know, that they are, the, Marvel are so hands-on from the get-go. Like, they're in the room with the writers. They want to make sure the everything fits into the same universe. Everything has that same sort of feel. Yeah. And even though you can see a bit of... The director come out in them like Whedon with Avengers mm. and the um, uh, who were the guys who did Winter Soldier? Yeah, uh, the, yeah, the com- the guys from Community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you know, well, they're TV guys for one, and mm. yeah, you could s- kind of see elements of their style come out in it, but it was still very much a Marvel film. Yeah, I mean, they're meant to feel that way, and I, I can't. Like I said from a, a business point of view, I can't blame Marvel for that. Mm. But the thing with this Peyton Reed news, the mm. thing that actually surprised me more, we knew we were going to get a new director. It didn't really matter who it was. There was a lot of rumor about Adam McKay, yeah, director of Anchor, the Anchorman films, mm. and step, a lot of the Will Ferrell comedies, yeah, um, which would have worked in well with Paul Rudd. Yeah, I mean, they've worked, worked with him, yeah, several times. times. Uh, it was that he's been tapped to rewrite the script. He was meant. He was looking like the solid. He was the front runner to yeah. be the new director only a week or so ago, mm. and then it broke a couple of days later that he was out of negotiations. Uh, but yeah, with this announcement of Peyton Reed, it was doubled up with the fact that yeah, Adam McKay is attached, but he's doing a script rewrite. And how much of the script are they rewriting? <sighs> I don't know. You know if that thing about Marvel changing some stuff without Edgar Wright's knowledge is true. Are they just simply making some changes to mm. the script, or are they doing? A, I can't imagine they would do an entire script. Well, no, because you need to remember this was meant to go into production like within the next month, month and a half. And they are still looking at it, it's the 2015 release date, yeah. I believe, which they'd bumped they up need, twice. Yeah, they need to get into this now. Mm. They need to start. I can't imagine an entire script rewrite. No, 
So interesting news, you know, yeah. it's got a director, but it was a nice little follow-up, if yeah. you will, yeah. to last issue. It's been sort of a quiet week for news. It has. Actually, while I think of it, mm. there's been some teasings the last couple of days from a Warner Brothers Studios Twitter account mm. that apparently Monday, I mean, it's Monday here now, but I'm talking American Monday, Yeah, uh, that there's meant to be some big reveal regarding... Batman v Superman. Ooh, I reckon we're finally seeing Wonder Woman in well, costume. Well, that's what everybody's thinking it may be. I, I don't know, but a, a, maybe next issue, I don't know. Keep an eye on the Facebook page in the, in the next sort of couple of days because as soon as something breaks, you know, I'll be onto it. Mm. So there may be another reveal. And I think, yeah, everyone's hoping it will be Gal Gadot in the Wonder Woman costume. I'm bloody well hoping for that. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Mm. But yeah, slow news week. Yeah. Not really much has been happening. No, well, actually, seeing as it was a bit of a slow news week, yeah. do you mind if we sort of wrap up what's been happening? You know how we, mm. how we have Rosie's Rants? It's a regular segment that we, <laughs> that we enjoy. How, how could I forget Rosie's Rants? Do you mind if I steal Rosie's Soapbox for a few minutes? Can I steal a few minutes of your time? Because there's something that's kind of pissing me off that well, I, I need to get off my chest. Hold on. I think I've got the perfect thing for this. Awesome. Brendan's Rants. Thank you for that. (laughs) I don't know what to say. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I've been holding on to that for a long time. Anyway, <laughs> moving Ta- take on. Take it away, Brendan. Do you want to know what's been what's been grinding my gears, if you will? I don't know. What has Okay. Been? The last couple of weeks, a lot of, uh, you know, geeky news outlets have been posting these, you know, quote-unquote stories, like factual stories. Yeah. And it's all coming from, you know, quotes from Kevin Smith regarding okay. Batman, Superman, Dawn of Justice. Okay. Okay. Now... They're taking quotes from several of his podcasts and then turning them into news stories that... What, kind of like uh, Fat Man on Batman and... Hollywood uh, Babylon. Hollywood Hollywood Babylon's a a big one for it because he and Ralph will discuss... They have the Geek News wrap-up sort of every week. And uh, obviously lately, Batman v Superman, Dawn Mm -hmm. of Justice has been a topic of conversation. Kevin is talking about this movie and giving his thoughts... On said movie, like kind of like we speak about it, dude. Perfect. It's exactly how you and I speak about it, except it's him and Ralph Garman. It's just two guys with a microphone having yeah. a chat about something they love. Now, people are taking so much of what he's saying out of context and and oh. putting it out, putting it out there as news. Are they taking it as gospel? Yeah, because it's mm. Kevin Smith saying it. They're thinking that he has sort of all this inside information for the film, and he, he doesn't like. He, so really, he's just a geek like us. He's a Batman fan geeking out about his favourite character. Yeah. A lot of what he's saying, he says at the start, like, what I imagine they might be doing, or what I would like to see happen, or what I think they may be doing, you know? Mm. It's not saying, I've spoken to, you know, Snyder, <laughs> and he's told me this. The only real inside information that he's had regarding mm. that film was when he hosted that live web event back in November last year for the release of Man of Steel on home video. And Snyder, sneakily on his phone, showed him the photo of Ben in the costume. Ah, yes. I remember when you mentioned that to me. Yeah. The the other thing is, I think people just sort of take for granted because it's Affleck and their relationship. And that him and Kevin Smith have done so much together. They're all buddy-buddy. Yeah, like Kevin Smith bought his house and all that sort of stuff. Like, that he's getting all this stuff from Affleck. And it's like, if, if you... Pay attention because the thing is, it's and this is why I'm noticing it so much. Mm. I listen to the shows that these <laughs> quotes are coming from every fucking week. And when it was first announced last August, almost a year ago, believe it or not, oh, wow. that Affleck was cast in the role, he said then and there, it had been something like a year and a half, 17 months. It had been a long, actually mm. it might have been several years since he had spoken to Ben Affleck. Yeah. Like, they just, he's, you know, Affleck has become this big director and doing his own things now. And, you know, Kevin sort of went into podcasting and mm. little independent films again. He wasn't the big, you know, making these big movies anymore with Affleck. Yeah. They, they're still friends, but they haven't conversed for years. And the closest they've come 
And Kevin only said this on Fat Man on Batman, I think, two weeks ago. He sent Ben an email when he first got the role, I think, congratulating him and extending, you know, reaching out to Ben to be like, hey, I have a show called Fat Man on Batman. Do you want to come on board? And I think it was a week or two later, Ben got back to him, would love to do it one day, you know, when his schedule allows. Yeah. He wants to come on. So He's got a fair bit on his plate right yeah, now. That's kind of it. I mean, the biggest one that's really just every time I see it, it's just like fire in my fucking <laughs> eyes is Calm down, Brendan. Calm the whole down. story of Kevin Smith said that the Batman costume is blue and grey. Mm, I've know, heard that mentioned yeah, a few times. Do you want to know where that where that came from? Yes. It was the episode of Hollywood Babylon directly after the first one after they released the photo. You know, that, mm-hmm. that famous yep, photo yep. of Ben next to the Batmobile, but because it's black and white in colour, yep. people don't you know, oh what colour is it? What colour is it? Mm. He said, you know, if you look at book three from The Dark Knight Returns, which is called Hunt the Dark Knight. Yeah. Now, Steve, I have The Dark Knight Returns with Ooh, me. Oh, hello. And I have book three, mm-hmm. Hunt the Dark Knight. His exact words were, if you look at book three of The Dark Knight Returns, Hunt the Dark Knight, it is that costume. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm showing you the photo. What color is that oh, costume? It's the iconic image of Batman and Robin. What's her name again? Carrie Kelly. Carrie Kelly. Them... Uh, Flying through the air, like swinging through the air. It's yeah. that iconic image. And to me, that has always been, in my mind, and I can see now on the page, black and grey. black and grey. Yeah. And all these news reports is it's going to be blue and grey. Kevin Smith said it's blue and grey. <laughs> Kevin Smith didn't say shit. So it's basically like whenever we've... Okay, when we called uh, Ultron. Yeah. Oh, sorry, not when we did. When, when you I did. did. It would be like the news report saying, oh, Steve Muller of Geek Speak Sidekick said... Ultron's going to be Jarvis or whatever it is. Yeah. And they run with it. Mm. It's n- so it's no different to that. It's just because Kevin Smith is who he is, yeah. they're taking his word as gospel. Mm. So the reason I'm saying this is he's actually addressed this himself now. This mm. The episode of Fat Man on Batman from, I think it was episode 70 from a, couple of, from a fortnight ago. He has about a 20-minute spiel before even getting into the show, just him saying, guys, if my name is attached... Don't anything. believe it. Yeah, take it literally with a ton of salt because I'm a geek and if I can't geek out about my favorite character, then what's the point? Mm. So for the listeners out there who don't necessarily listen to any of his podcasts or Fat Man and Batman or whatever. Because I don't. No. If you see any news articles pop up online in your Facebook feed or whatever and it says, Kevin Smith says, take it with a giant, giant <laughs> ton of salt. And if he does actually say something that is legitimate news, and again, you don't listen to those shows, I will talk about it on this podcast. Sounds fair to me. So, I think, I think I'm done. I think I'm all right. You want to come down off your soapbox now? <sighs> I think so, yes. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> We're not, you're not doing an outro, are you? <laughs> I could, but I won't. But Thank we you. are going to get back into it. We... We did say, slow news week, you've had your little rant, I have promised comics, you have promised comics. In fact, we're going to be talking about so many comics, you could call it a... Comics Explosion! Idiot, I told you to cut the green wire. Yes, all things comics coming from the sidekicks. We haven't We've discussed got... them for a while. No, and that's why I thought it would be good just to sit down and talk... Comics. Hmm. Uh, you recently read uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy trade, which we want yeah, to talk about because I've been reading through that. I mm-hmm. mentioned last issue that I wanted to talk about Translucid. Yes. Uh, I'd just like to catch up on some Marvel and DC thoughts. <laughs> but I think I do need to address the elephant in the room first. Sorry, I'll put my pants back up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on one of the latest Geek Speak Lives, Yes. Todd mm. let's slip <laughs> yeah. that he's been, uh, well, how would you say, dabbling, dabbling divulging? In, dab, dabbling, divulging in the realms of digital? Yes. Triple, as, triple D? As he, always, <laughs> as he always calls it, using the devil's device. Yes. Because we all know that I'm a digital comics reader. Ah. I've met, oh really? <laughs> no, I was just thinking like Todd referring to the devil's device. I just assumed every time he talked about you know playing with the double D, <laughs> he was talking about something else completely. But now it makes complete sense. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm a 
digital comics reader. Uh-huh. I've mentioned it many times that I don't think digital will replace no. print. I don't think print will kill digital in any way. I think no. they complement each other. <laughs> Dude, they were saying that 10 years ago with music and I still work in a music yeah. store. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I can get my comics each week just straight to my iPad and read them as... You know, I don't have to get in the car and go to the comic shop and spend an incredible amount of money on having to make some more storage space for yeah, one. Yeah. But if there is a book that I really do love, mm-hmm. I will I'll, I'll still buy it and chuck it in the bookcase so I can say to a friend, oh, have you read this? You need to, you know, you need to read this. Yeah. Here, take this book. I'm doing that with a friend of mine at the moment, actually. She's got quite a few of my trades. Well, that's how you, and well, that's how you read Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I borrowed she, hers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, Todd, despite owning a comic shop, mm-hmm. has come to the dark side <laughs> and has been trying digital comics, mm-hmm. which, funnily enough, when I spoke with him the other day, I said, you know, you need to try out this translucent book, which I'll get into. And I said, jump on Comixology, grab it. Yeah. Because he hadn't been able, I don't think he'd been able to get in any issues to the shop. No. It's more, it's an independent, uh, it's through Evil Inc. and Boom Studios. I don't think he'd really quite heard of it. And I said, jump on Comixology. And he was able to get it straight away. Mm-hmm. So, yes, welcome to the dark side, Todd. And now I just need to get you into it, Brendan. Oh, look, like I've said, look, I've stopped getting monthly comics now purely mm. for the fact that, like you said, it's storage space. You, when um, you don't have the storage space, yeah. and it I'll, kind of makes it a bit hard to just I would keep rather, getting more and, more and more. I would rather get the trades. Mm. Um, and later in the year, I'm hoping around Christmas time, I might be asking for the Christmas gift of a little iPad mini or some sort of devil's device. So I can keep up to date monthly with some of these things without having to worry about the storage well, see, space. Now, that's how I actually used to get them. I never got single issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, actually, when I first started collecting comics when I was uh, about 12 or 13 years old. Yep. It was single issues. Mm-hmm. Stopped collecting comics for a few years and started again when the when Marvel's Ultimate line came out. Oh, yeah. And I would get the trades. Mm-hmm. That That's, you know, how Todd and I met. He opened up the comic shop. I was in there on the first day he opened. I was like, wow, I don't have to go to Brisbane anymore to get these comics because he, was, he said, you can, you know, make up an order, go through the previews. I didn't even know about previews. Mm. I used to, if I was in Brisbane go to the comic shop and say, oh, do you have the latest Ultimate X-Men? No, you know, they haven't collected one yet. This way I knew what it was, was coming, coming out. when it was so coming. when I got back into comics, it was all trades. Those things are heavy as fuck. <laughs> yeah. You get a fair few of them. I've lost count of how many bookcases I have broken. Yeah, my bookcase has a bit of a bow in it. Yeah. <laughs> so when I got my iPad, it was able. I was able to, you know... Save money on furniture. Like a beam of light came down and the <laughs> Hallelujah Chorus started playing. And So yeah, I I can't remember. Well, actually, no, I can remember the last time I bought a comic. Like, I still love going into a comic shop and seeing them all up there on the shelves. I was going to say that you you only the other day when yes, you bought a I, single paper issue of a comic. I recently bought, only in the last few days, my first single issue in how many years? And it wasn't even for you. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I was on a comic delivery for Brendan. You were. <laughs> I was tied up at work on Friday mm. and I was chasing down desperately um, the issue one of Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet, mm. written by the aforementioned Kevin Smith. And uh, Ralph Garman as well. Ralph I Garman. I, th- I saw his name on the cover and I thought, mm, I didn't know this. Yeah, and the art is uh, by Ty Templeton. And mm. the cover art, beautiful cover art by Alex Ross. Yeah, I, as soon as I picked up that cover, I'm like, that's an Alex Ross cover. Yes, it is. Mm. So uh, you mentioned Ralph Garman and mm. you're a bit surprised by that. Kevin was approached to do a Batman story and they said they're going to tie in the Green Hornet because he's written Green Hornet and Batman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And too. then when he found out it was going to be in the Batman 66 line, Mm. he said straight away, well, is it okay if I bring on my friend, Ralph Garman? And they were kind of like, the radio guy? (laughs) Can he even (laughs) even write? But if if people who don't know, Ralph Garman is a massive, massive Batman 66 fan. Oh, really? I didn't know that. He has a giant collection. He has original props, you know, the the whole bit. He is a giant fan. Batman 66 Mm. fan, has become friends with Adam West over the years. Actually is one of the large reasons why Adam West has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame now. I mean, Ralph is is tied to Adam West big time. So yeah, for Kevin, he was obviously the logical choice to bring on and help him write this story. Yeah. And from what Kevin has said, essentially, Ralph kind of booted him to the side (laughs) and took over (laughs) completely. 
And having read this comic, this is only issue one. I think it's a three issue uh, run. Mm-hmm. Three three physical issue run. It's it's made up of digital issues like all the the Batman. Yeah, because I comics. thought when I've been reading my comics lately, at the end of the issues, you know, it'll have uh, especially with the weekly titles, what's mm-hmm. coming out on like what days. You've got your Smallville. They do, even do Vampire Diaries. Yeah. Uh, this is the new Futures End one, Injustice, and I had been seeing Batman yeah. sixty six. It's a it's a it's a digital comic that they collect. I think it's two two issues of digital makes one print issue. Okay, so there's three issues worth of print comics of this this story arc, and I read it the other day as soon mm-hmm. as I got it, and no, it's not because I'm a Kevin and Ralph fan. Yeah, but, but I think it's because Ralph is so into Batman sixty six. This is by far the best issue of Batman 66 so far. And, you know... So I remember when you got the first issue. Was like, it when it came out, it was, that was ago. the one that had, um... Was it the Riddler in it and stuff? And they... I think so. There was the whole thing with the, like, climbing up the walls and everything. There was a little little Look, it was it was ri- It's kind of like the Smallville comic. It's written very much in the spirit of that show. The dialogue ah. is, is as verbatim in that show, you know. But this takes it to a whole other level. Now, there's something else I want to sort of go into with this, talking about this comic, is I've spoken about the Fat Man on Batman podcast before. Yep. Several times. Hell, I've spoken about it several times in this issue. Yes. <laughs> now, I would strongly urge anyone who's going to read this comic, okay, to jump on to the internet, mm-hmm. type in Fat Man on Batman, go to the homepage, either listen to or download episode number 66. Okay. okay? It's, the, it's the most recent issue. It actually, it's out of numerical order. He saved... The, the you know the episode sixty six they're actually up to this would actually be I think issue seventy but going chronologically he didn't use number sixty six ah, he saved he it hold, yeah because the episode before this was episode seventy and it is a live um, the launch party for Batman sixty six meets the Green Hornet oh cool and the first chunk of the show is essentially Ralph giving his backstory on becoming such a big Batman fan and how mm. he got into it and all that sort of stuff like I, like I mentioned. The last half of the show is them doing a live reading of this comic. Oh, God. And now this is how I read the comic for the first time. Is mm. I, They did a read-along. Mm. And it, people who don't know Ralph can do voices like you wouldn't believe. And he does, in particular, a fantastic Adam West Batman. <laughs> it's, it's, you would think Adam West is in the room. Now, they, Ralph does all the voices, brings everything to life. They have a couple of audience members come up and voice mm. some of the other characters. It, you know, it's... it's Quite a funny take on it, but this is how I read it for the first time. I don't think I've enjoyed reading a comic so much. <laughs> if you're going to read this comic, I urge you, even if it's not the first time you do it, at some point, get on Fat Jump Man on, on that Batman website. and do the read along with Kevin and Ralph because it is... it, And they it literally... Just adds to that experience. They literally bring the comic to life. It is awesome. It's so good. So what is the actual story of this issue? So it it goes back to it's actually a sequel because in the original run of the TV show mm. there was a crossover episode with the stars of the Green Hornet TV oh, show so that. you know Bruce Lee mm. as Kato ah. it it was a, really it was the first ever live action superhero crossover because Green Hornet starred in the Batman show that was kind of unheard of yeah, at the time. I didn't know this. No, it was, you know, sort of, you know... Like, I remember watching Batman 66 as a kid. But which is funny. Just, you I've, know, just random episodes. I've never actually seen this episode myself. It was just one that I've never seen. And because it's been so hard to... Well, you can't even find it on DVD because there is no DVD. But that will change come November mm-hmm. this year. So this will be one of the first episodes I watch. The It's it's written as a sequel to that episode. So it's, it's all set up in there. And it, it, it references things like it's using the same villain that was used in that episode. But Ralph, he explains it in the podcast too, he's had to change the aesthetic of the villain because they didn't have the likeness rights to that character. So you don't actually see what the character looked like in the TV show, but they explain why he's sort of, he's had this accident that's changed his appearance. Uh So it's the same character. But they're able to actually, kind of like what we were talking about with Dorothy and everything, they don't own the rights to the likeness. Exactly. They've got to change it up a bit. Exactly, yeah. So so that's what they've done. I said it's only part one, but it's written more than any other issue of this comic. It is so written like the TV show was, and the the dialogue is, it's bang on. Well, now, it isn't the Green Booty segment, but but we will give it, the usual sidekick rating. Yeah. How many green booties would you give Batman 66 meets Green Hornet? 
uh, issue, one. issue one, I will give this four and a half green birdies. Ooh. Yeah, this was a fantastic issue. I can't wait for issue two. And like I said, it's it's not it's not because I'm such a huge Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman fan. It's you know, this could have been written by anyone. Mm. It's the fact that the person who's written it knows this show so well, it just feels so much better than the other issues of Batman 66 that have come out before it. So it, it's fantastic. So four and a half out of five green booties. Now, a comic that we have both been reading or have well, read. Yes. You read the first trade. We have mentioned this many, many, many times. Yes. Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I got into this because I had to read some Guardians of the Galaxy issues because I've been reading all new X-Men. They did a crossover story called The Trial of Jean Grey. Okay. That was three issues of all new X-Men and three issues of Guardians of the Galaxy. So I had to get a few to keep, you know, to get the story. See, for me, I read it because with the movie coming out, I wanted to have some sort of introduction to the characters. Yeah, well, I, I had thought a similar thing that I do kind of want to know a bit more about this. I know they hmm. did the, uh, the title a fair few years back with um, uh, after the Annihilation storyline. With the Annihilation Wave, that's how the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of came together. Okay. One of their more recent iterations. Yeah. uh, Before the Marvel Now relaunch. Okay. And I had been wanting to try the new book, but just hadn't felt the urge to get it. This is the Brian Michael Bendis one? Yeah, this is the latest one. Yeah. I, having had to get it for Mm -hmm. all new X-Men, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go back, get from issue one and read up until now okay, to really get a feel for it and see if this is my kind of book. Yep. So I've read up to date. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, I haven't read the latest issue, issue 15. But I went back to issue one, started reading it. You read the first trade. I did. Which you were, we, we were a bit confused, <laughs> we were confused about. Because, yeah. all, because I know they did do a kind of four-issue miniseries before the new relaunch. Okay. I was afraid you'd read that <laughs> and I'd read the next part because when I was showing you these books, you're like, there was this whole stuff with his mother and all this. Yeah, the, the one you showed me on your iPad kind of it was sort of like a cold opening. Whereas yeah. I'm like, no, this had more of an introduction. And I remember reading going, this is really cool. This is exactly what I wanted. And, and yeah, it was a bit confusing. Well, see, I went from issue one yeah. in the trade. They Turns start out. with <laughs> 0.1. Yeah. And then the first three issues of the new one going and then another little tie-in book. Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? I said to you, you know, the reason why I wanted to read it was I wanted to have some sort of knowledge of these characters yeah. before when this movie comes out very soon. I enjoyed it and I got exactly what I wanted out of it. Mm. I'm not about to rush out and, you know, read the second volume. I mean, I'm like, one day, I'm not going to actively seek it out. I got what I needed out of this trade. It introduced the characters to me, told me a bit of their backstory, particularly Peter Quill. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was good. I found with it, because the whole story of this one is that uh, Peter Quill's father, Jason mm-hmm. of Spartax, mm-hmm. has called together all the all the rulers of all the alien races. You've got, I can't remember if his name's Kid Annihilus or Annihilus Jr. or Son of Annihilus. You've got uh, Freya, the all-mother of the Asgardians. Yep. Uh, the Kree, Supreme Intelligence. Gladiator, who's leading the Shia. Gets all these guys together and says, Earth is off limits. Mm-hmm. No one can go to Earth, do whatever. And the Badoon are in there as well, which are the main adversaries of uh, Spartax. Mm-hmm. And so he says, you know, you can't touch that. It's out of bounds. Yep. And they're all getting a bit pissy at him because he's like, well, you know, you're the king of your empire. Who You're not our king. Yeah. And Peter Quill, as part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, is like, you're an idiot. <laughs> By saying you can't go to Earth, you're opening it up for everyone to go to Earth and just invade yeah. and rule. And that's what the story is in this one. It's even got Iron Man in it. Yeah. He's off on a little bit of a space adventure for something to do. Mm-hmm. And Which kind of was good for someone like me who hasn't read these, you know, again, goes without saying, not a big Marvel guy. Mm. I had a character there who I kind of know. You know, along with these characters who I was learning about. It was a bit easier to introduce you to them. He was like the tour guide, if you will. Like I said, it was a perfect intro. Well, with the story of it is, you know, they basically say Earth is off limits. And naturally, the Badoon go, well, fuck you. you. (laughs) We're going to go invade. And so the Guardians of the Galaxy have to stop them. I I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. It was a good little introduction to the characters. There was a lot of stuff in there that you feel... 
if you haven't read all the issues before, because it, remember with the Marvel Now relaunch, it wasn't like DC's New 52 where it was telling the story from the start again, yeah. if you will, or, you know, it was easier to jump on board. There's a lot of stuff as to they don't explain exactly why they're all together unless you read the previous series or the mini series okay. or whatever like that. Yep. But I still enjoyed it. I find that, you know, Brian Michael Bendis, I love as a writer. Oh, he's, he's a great on, writer. He's on damn near everything. <laughs> him with Marvel, like it was him with Ultimate Comics, with Ultimate Spider-Man mm-hmm. that got me reading comics again. I, yeah, I enjoyed the story. But I've actually found I enjoy it more later once they change the artist. Okay. Steve McNiven did the art on books one and three. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he did all three of them. But then they change it. They they keep changing it up over issues with certain because there were tie-in issues to other storylines. Like they were doing this Infinity crossover where Thanos is coming back to Earth because again, you know, has everyone's been told stay away from Earth. Thanos is. Again, fuck you, I'm going to go find the Infinity Gems. Yeah. Once they brought Sarah Pacelli on the artwork, it had the Guardians feel to it. Okay. You know how we've spoken a number of times about the whole, the new movie? It mm-hmm. looks like it has that different feel for a Marvel film. Yeah, very different aesthetic. It's the same in the books. Sarah Pacelli's artwork really makes these characters come to life. Okay, cool. You really see their characteristics and just... Each and every little thing about them, like the smart-ass know-it-all that Rocket is mm-hmm. and the real... Oh, how how would you describe Peter Quill? He's very... He's not quite gung-ho. No. But he's... Uh, sure of himself. Yeah. In some ways. And Lady Gamora, you know, deadliest mm-hmm. woman in the universe. They even bring in Angela, who after the whole Avengers versus X-Men... Fuck! Oh no, it wasn't the Avengers vs. X-Men, it was the Age of Ultron thing, where they fucked up the space-time continuum. They brought in Angela from Spawn. Okay. She's now part of the Marvel Universe. She's in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, wow. And there's this great interaction between her and Gamora, almost kind of bit of a lady love relationship going Ooh. on where, because they're both kick-ass warriors. Okay. Again, Sarah Pacelli's artwork really makes their relationship come to life when someone else has drawn it I'm just sitting there going yeah it's kind of good okay so you've only read the first three issues yeah I've kept going the one thing I have been disappointed on is the constant crossovering okay because I'll be reading it next thing oh this is part four of this infinity storyline it's like I don't want to have to go and get all those other stories now yeah the same can be said for a lot of comics well even uh, I'm you know about to read the latest issue of uh, Red Lanterns. Mm-hmm. And the last issue was part one of three in Judgment Day. Yep. This issue is part three of three. <laughs> Michael, where's part two? Oh, it carried over into Super, uh, Supergirl 31 because she's yeah. now a Red Lantern. Yeah. See, this I is don't collect pro- yeah. Supergirl and I forgot about that. So now I've got to track down that issue just mm. so I can finish it. Guardians of the Galaxy has done a lot like that. No sooner did they finish with Infinity... There was the trial of Jean Grey with all new X-Men. Fortunately, I already read that because I had to get Guardians yeah. for that. I'm going to continue reading it. Okay. It is... It, 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 it's a different book to me. It, it's got the humour in it that I've been wanting in in a Marvel book. Well, even the little... You know, that first trade, like, Rocket was cracking me up. Like oh, he's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And especially like when he's at have, um, having a go at Tony Stark, he's yeah. always funny. As I said, Sarah Pacelli's artwork makes this book. The issues she's not on, I don't find as enjoyable. Okay. For that first story, what was it called? Cosmic Avengers? Yes, Cos- Cosmic Avengers. Because yeah. they bring in Tony. What would you give it? How many green booties? I'd go three. Yeah, I'd say probably about a three out of five like green said, booties. Because I, first I got out of it what I needed. Mm. Yeah. If you are wanting to see the new film and you want to know a little bit more about these characters... Yeah, just pick up the first trade. I know they are doing a prelude book oh, okay. for the film. I might have I to think, check that uh, out too. Maybe two, possibly even three issues are out now that are leading into the film. Okay. I don't want to read those ones because I want to go into the film, yes, knowing the characters, but not knowing the story 
that okay. they're setting up. Yeah. I might read that book after it. See, I'm the other way around. I want to check it out. <laughs> Transformers comics do it all the time. Whenever yeah. there's the new movie, they would do the... I don't think they're actually doing it for this one, but they'd do the prequel comic. And it already gives away so much of the story they're setting up. I prefer to read it after I've seen the film. Okay. But I think, yeah, this is a great introduction to the characters. Mm-hmm. If you do want to stick it out, hold on. There are a few lackluster issues. Yep. But there are some top-notch ones as well. The The Trial of Jean Grey crossover with all new X-Men was what made me not only sit there and think, I have to read this, yep. but reading it thought, I want to read more of this. Awesome. It's just a shame that Sarah Pacelli's not on that artwork. Awesome, okay. So yeah, three out of five green booties. Okay, um, I guess I'll take the lead again here. Yep. Uh, um, I'll just talk, quickly talk about two um, trades that I've read. Mm-hmm. I've spoken about in the past the Smallville Season 11 trades. This is, again, going to those weekly comics, the weekly digital comics, which they then uh, kind of like a Green Hornet, yeah. Batman 66 thing. They then compile into a trade paperback. Yeah. So, again, written by Brian Q. Miller. And it's the same guys, you know, writers on the show and everything. Mm. Like the first couple of trades that we've spoken about mm-hmm. on the show, very much written in the spirit of the show, same dialogue, that sort of stuff. Uh, this volume four is called Argo. Yep. Uh, which every time I say it, you giggle. Argo, fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got two stories in it, like two story arcs. Um, the first one is sort of Clark's, you know, transported to the future and Booster Gold's there, the Legion of Superheroes. Oh, so 31st century yeah, storytelling Yeah, and it's stuff. sort of like this like intergalactic war thing. I found this story kind of hard to follow. Mm. I I hadn't really read... It had been a while since I'd read the third trade, and I couldn't remember if it tied into that. It was just... It was a bit of a tough read. Mm. Uh, You know, people out there may enjoy it. I didn't so much. Um, Brought Supergirl back into it. Mm. Um, The second story I quite liked, it was uh, Lois uh, goes over to Africa um, on... On On assignment. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. (laughs) On assignment. And she's hearing, hearing about this sort of hero over there. It's the angel that's helping out all these people and, and sort of refugees and that mm. kind of stuff. And it's Lana. Oh, because does Lana know, have powers? In the show, in that sort of in, towards the end of the show there, she got powers. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I still haven't finished off the series. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's basically, you know, them working together. And there's the whole, you know, like you said before, elephant in the room of Clark... Um, because Lana wants to sort of ask and Lois sort of like hides her wedding ring, but Lana ah. sees it. And, you know, because Lana can't go near Clark because her powers come from kryptonite. She absorbed all this kryptonite power, ah. so she literally can't go near the guy or she'll kill him. So, <laughs> Ultimate friend zone. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, just quickly, the Smallville trade was really good. Um, I'll keep picking it up because, like I said last year, I enjoyed well, I mean- the show. I'm interested in the next story that you read to. because yeah. I I don't read it, but I have been seeing that the latest story they've been doing with the weekly comics is Lantern. called Lantern. Yeah. So, you know me. Got you written all over it. Yeah. So if you do get that one, I may even grab that off you yeah. and give it a read because, you know, anything Green Lantern, I want to read. Awesome. So, I mean, overall, the first story for me dragged it down. If mm. I'm gra- rating the whole trade, I'd probably give it two and a half, mm-hmm. which sounds really low. But that second story lifted it up for me, so mm. I'm going to give the second story three. Okay. Three, three green booties out of five. I also read the second Arrow trade. Another digital compilation comic. <laughs> yeah. from digital comics. Um, lots of little stories compiled together. Um, essentially, I wouldn't really recommend reading it if you don't watch the show, because yep. it ties so heavily into the show. Mm. It's little stories that um, I guess is connecting tissue, and some adventures are... Further in-depth looks at some of the stories that happen on the show. Some of the adventures are things that don't happen in the show, but sort of you can tell could be, you know, after episode whatever, oh, he could have gone on this little adventure. Because I had thought about picking up the book because I'm a huge fan of the TV show. I I would suggest it. But then I thought, "Mm, do I really want to... Like, I usually love knowing the entire backstory of everything. Yeah. But I've been burned before when I read stories that are like... You know, that tie into it. Yeah. And the opposite of what you were saying with, say, Batman 66 Green Haunt, where it's written by someone who really knows it, it feels like it's a part of that universe. Mm. I've read these ones that are just, eh, they they really don't feel like they fit, and it's burnt me. 
so I don't want to read the tie-ins to TV shows and movies. See, and... this one I'd probably recommend because it's written by Mark Guggenheim and Andrew Kreisberg, who work on the show. So it really does tie in there. Yeah, it's... I mean, I know in the first trade, I mean, because going back to season one, there was a lot of um, Helena's backstory, for example, mm. that they don't touch on the show. Like, Because they, they obviously have the room to do that yeah, in. If you love the show and you say you were doubting picking it up, I'd probably pick it up. If you love the show, you'll love it. But it's as simple as that. See, there is one that I have been reading that does tie into a show. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like Smallville where it's set after... I've been reading Serenity, Leaves on the Wind. Okay. Which is the story they've been doing that follows the film Serenity because, yep. you know... Which followed the, Firefly, the TV show. They're not going to do the, another TV show despite no. how much the fans keep screaming for it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's really cool because I, I'm not going to throw up a spoiler alert on this. The, the story's older than hell, but, you know, there are characters that die mm-hmm. at the end of Serenity. And, yeah, it pretty much picks up straight from... I think it's six months to a year mm-hmm. after the events of the film. Where are they all? Yep. What are they doing? They're now rebels. You know, people are hunting them down and they're having to get help. There is a new resistance. and It's cool that they're doing, you know, that comics have become sort of the outlet for they some did it of with, these. I remember when Buffy did yeah. it. And... For some of these shows that people want, there's a thirst for finding out what's still happening with mm. these people. You know, there's not going to be a TV show. How can they do it? Do it in comic form. And it seems to work really well. And Serenity is one of these ones where it does feel like it ties directly in. It, mm-hmm. it has the Firefly Serenity feel. I, I think I read some maybe last year. They had done a couple of like one shots and stuff in the same universe. They just didn't interest me. Yeah. It didn't feel like it fit. Okay. These do. Fair enough. So I, I'd suggest pick up, if you're a fan of Firefly and Serenity and you want to know more of the story and mm-hmm. you're trying to hold out for a TV show, which is never going to happen, no. I hate to disappoint you, pick up Serenity Leaves on the Wind. I'm pretty sure five issues have come out now. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the latest one, uh, issue five. Yep. But it again, it does fit into the universe and it has given me that Firefly Serenity kick mm-hmm. that... I've been yearning for. Awesome. So probably, you know, for the the books that have come out so far and how it all ties in, I'd give it a solid three out of five green booties. Awesome. Well, for the Arrow Volume 2 trade, um, I'm easily going to go four green booties, four out of five. Cool. Now, one last book I do want to talk about. Yeah, and I read this ages Yeah, we mentioned this in the last issue that I'd got you to read it. Mm -hmm. You actually read it on my iPad. I did. And, you know, I'm now trying to get Todd into it, is Translucid. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the book written and created by Claudio Sanchez and Chandra Eckert. Which is why you like it. Yes, Claudio <laughs> is the lead singer of my favourite band, Coheed and Cambria. Yes. And what I've always loved about their music is because of Claudio's writing. The music itself is a sci-fi epic. Yeah. And he's even gone on to do... He, he started with a few comics a fair few years back and only did two issues. Yep. They then went and did... Uh, stories for the first two albums they've released. Uh, cool. The second stage, Turbine Blade, and In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. Mm-hmm. It all fits into the Amory Wars storyline. Yep. I've been waiting for the next book. Uh, it looks like it's going to be coming out soon. They've been focusing on other projects under their Evil Inc. banner. Okay. Because Chandra Echoed is Claudio's wife. Yep. Uh, they've done Key of Z, which was a bit of an interesting take on the zombie story. Okay. Uh, guy has a kind of unique power that allows him to kind of control the zombies. Interesting. But it was what the take that I loved about it was it, you know, me not being a big zombies fan, it was more the human relationships of what happens in a zombie apocalypse. Yep. You know, the people that vie for power and take control of people when. You know, like the the communities and the power structures they set up, the new politics of it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also done a book called Kill Audio. Yep. Very psychedelic. A lot of music references in it and real trippy book that okay. really threw me. Wasn't a big fan of that. Yeah. Which is interesting because I didn't like the psychedelic elements of it. Yeah. But in Translucid... The artwork yeah, feels it's very, quite psychedelic. I, it's been a while since you've read it, but I just mm. remember there being a lot of sort of like pink and purple and... Yeah, yeah. illustrated by Daniel Bayliss and coloured by Adam Metcalf. Those two guys' uh, artwork together 
it, it, there is a very psychedelic feel to it. There are some uh, moments where one of the characters does seem to be almost tripping. Yeah. And those colors really work in when you've got the weird, grotesque faces with warts and horns yeah. coming out and stuff like that. The story of this one, why I love it so much and yeah. why I wanted you to read it, it gives a really interesting take on the superhero supervillain relationship. Yeah. It the, did. The way I pegged it to you, and I also, you know, said this to Todd. Think of Batman, Batman and the and Joker. Joker. Yeah, you can probably explain explain more about Batman and Joker than I can. Yeah, but that relationship that they have that it's it's almost like Harry Potter and Voldemort. Neither can survive while the other. Neither can die while the other one lives, or something. The like that. The best example of it is the Dark Knight, where mm. the Joker says to Batman, "You know, you complete me." Yeah. Yeah, like that's it, it, with without Batman, the Joker wouldn't exist because mm. he needs him to to basically piss off. Otherwise, he has no purpose. And that is what they're going with in Translucid. Mm-hmm. You've got the hero, the Navigator, who mm-hmm. has these awesome holographic solid light weapons. Like he has this kind of belt that he can cycle through what he needs and touch it, and it will appear out yep. of solid light. And you know, if he wants a grappling hook, he's got a grappling hook. Mm-hmm. And the villain, who freaks the shit out of me... he's got a giant horse head. The horse. Yep. Pretty much, he, he's not an actual horse. He's no. a guy in a suit, but he has a horse head. Kind of like, like those... a, a chess piece. Yeah, he, there is a lot of chess uh, and chess piece references throughout mm-hmm. this book. Mm-hmm. First issue pretty much has the horse come out of prison. And... He he goes after the navigator because while he's been in prison, he feels like the navigator has been neglecting his duties. Yeah. The villains that are still around really aren't up to par. No, and they're not worthy of him. Yeah, that's it. They're not worthy of him. And so he does something quite uh, dramatic to get the navigator's attention and say, again, it's like, you need me. Yeah. I need you. Mm-hmm. We're best friends. Yeah. Uh, you haven't read the second issue. I no. read it the other day. It's starting to go a bit more into the explanation of to uh, more of the origin of them. Mm-hmm. It's still a little confusing because you don't know. There's a lot of stuff to do with a kid in this and he's playing with these holographic light things. So you think, okay, this is the navigator as a kid. Mm-hmm. But then there's elements where you think, oh, wait, it's the horse as a kid. By the end of it, you think, oh, no, it's neither of them. It's actually just a kid running in the same timeline concurrent to who they are now. Okay, I might have to check this out. It it, it, it does get a little bit confusing, but what I liked about this issue was the build-up of when the horse came about. It has a kind of moment with the, when the Navigator first came became the Navigator. Yep. He starts fighting crime and everything. There's also a bit of a relationship with that seems to be a police captain or commissioner. Very (laughs) Gordon-esque. Seeing some links there. And you start seeing the calling cards of the horse. Okay. And it all develops into him saying that, you know, you've been basically fighting petty crime until now. Yeah. You need me. You need something to focus on. Mm-hmm. And and there's a big moment with a bridge and an explosion. It's it's when they first meet. Okay. And again goes into the you need me. Yeah. And I think that's what I love most about this book is it's that new not well not so much new because as you said Dark Knight, yeah. Batman and Joker. It's an old idea, like. but they're really examining it at an in-depth level, which it really makes me want to read it. Yeah, that that's probably what I'm trying to think, is they examine it. Mm. They don't just say, they this is here. It they really go into detail, and it's one of these books that make you really think about the relationships between heroes Examines and villains. the psychology of it a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that panel from... The first book, when you first revealed the horse, <laughs> you pooed your pants. Were you wearing pants, oh. or did you poo on? Did you poo on the floor? <laughs> it scared the crap out of me. Yeah, partly because of those psychedelic colours. It really livened that image to mm-hmm. the point where it, it it was terrifying. <laughs> it's like you dropped acid and woke up at Randwick <laughs> or something. <laughs> On Melbourne Cup Day. <laughs> oh, oh, the worst of my nightmares. Yeah. So, as I said, the psychedelic nature of this book, yep. I enjoy definitely more so than Kill Audio. I couldn't finish uh, Evil Inc.'s Kill Audio. 
it, it was too out. It was a black and white okay. comic, but it was just too out there. This has the structure of a superhero comic mm-hmm. with those psychedelic elements. The artwork from Bayless is just beautiful. It's mm-hmm. this is one of those books. You know when you read it when you read a comic and you're just skimming through, you just yeah. speed read it. Yeah. Then there are those other ones, and it happens with novels as well, where you just keep reading the same paragraph over, over and, and over and over. Yeah. Not because you're not paying attention to it, because you want to absorb it more. Yeah. Yeah. This is like that. It takes me half an hour to read a single issue because I'm just constantly rereading a panel over and over and over, and then the next panel and then the panel, and I'll finish that page, and then I'll read it again because I just want to absorb as much as I can awesome. from this book. I know it's going to sound biased because Claudio... You're allowed to be. You, you know, well, you're, I, you're I, a fan I'm of this. To be. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm a massive fan. Fuck, You've I've got, got a Cody yeah. Cambria tattoo. If... This wasn't Claudio's work. I still, still think enjoy it. Yeah. I would love the crap out of this book because of that in-depth analysis mm. of the superhero-supervillain relationship. Yeah. I'm giving this four and a half out of five green booties. Awesome. Two issues in. I can't wait to see where they're going mm-hmm. because, as I said, they're kind of touching on the origins of each character. There's that confusing element as to who this child is. Is it one of them or is it just someone completely different yep. that's going along a same sort of path? Mm-hmm. I want to see this develop. I am gnawing at the bit for the next issue. Okay. I cannot wait. Once it's in trade format, I would. I don't want to leave... This, this is what I mean, going back to the print versus digital comics. Yeah. I want you to read this issue, but I don't want to leave you my iPad because then I yeah. can't read my comics. You can give me the trade and I can read it. I would love for you to continue this story as well. Look, after only reading issue one, and this is going back a while since I've read because it, it. It's about a month ago oh, that you would have more. read the first issue. Um, just basing it on the first issue, I'd probably go, yeah, I reckon three. Three out of mm. five green booties. I, I did enjoy it. I want to examine this a bit more myself because like you said for me I keep going back to Batman Joker yeah. which is a relationship that I love and it, it almost seems intentional that that's what they're doing so so pick it up Translucid it it kind of falls under the Evil Inc comics banner which is Sanchez and Eckert mm-hmm. but it's released through Boom Studios which have done a lot of their work cool. so Translucid pick it up four and a half out of five and three out of five green booties from the sidekicks <laughs> And just one last thing while we're still on comics. Yes. Have you been reading Forever Evil? Oh, well, no. You no. Ha- no, you haven't been reading Forever Evil because you um, haven't been getting your monthly issues, have no, you? No, I'm kind of out with the monthly comics from now on. You remember when we first spoke about Forever Evil? Yeah, a while back now. Yeah, because of the whole Villains Month. We're talking nearly a year ago. Yep. They've finally finished it. Oh, good. <laughs> there were only seven issues of... Forever Evil itself, the main book. Book, yeah. They finally finished it, and thank fuck. Okay. Two things I'm really disappointed about. Mm -hmm. One, it took so damn long. Yeah. Actually, let's call it three things. Two, David Finch's artwork, I am so over. He hasn't grown at all. Every male character looks exactly the same. They just happen to be wearing a different costume. Yeah. You really need to get someone that other than David Finch on one of your big story books that you're doing. yeah. But also that Forever Evil 7, the final chapter, came out after all the other titles that, you know, have been... Because the whole story has been the superheroes are dead, like Flash, Superman, they're all missing. Mm -hmm. I read the Flash annual and then issue 30 before I read Forever Evil 7. They're set after Forever Evil. Oh, good. So I I had this problem of, do I keep reading these and then just go and get spoiled on these elements? And then kind of treat Seven as a a, a prequel or... And then just go back and read it. Or a flashback or something, yeah. Or do I hold off reading all my comics until Forever Evil 7 is out? (laughs) I I ended up just keep reading. I thought, fuck it. I'm just glad to be done with it. I'm now reading Future's End, which is another new uh, weekly title. Yeah. The one that's set five years in the future. (laughs) I think I've read about four issues now. Yeah. I'll probably drop it soon. It really isn't interesting. Yeah, the, all these crossover stuff, that's what was losing me. Batman Eternal. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, the, that's the digital That's the new Scott weekly Snyder one from yeah. Scott Snyder. Uh, really interesting story. As okay. to it, I know the boys have spoken about on Geekspeak Live that um, in the first issue, uh, Commissioner Gordon 
gets yep. arrested. Okay. He basically causes a train accident. Oh, shit. Uh, they're bringing back in Carmine Falcone. Oh, wow. So it, it, it's leading to this whole kind of gang war takeover of See, this Gotham. This will be one, again, like, you know, I'll wait for the trade. Yep. It is one that you definitely need to be reading. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I've been reading a Batman book that you haven't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ultimate Comics from Marvel. Marvel, yeah. I said that that's what got me back into comics. I stopped reading the Marvel 616 universe. Yeah. I'm about to drop Ultimate. Okay. I'm done with it. I nearly did after Ultimatum, which was their first big thing they did. Because when they did this whole Ultimatum storyline, it was the end of the... They they did the relaunch after it. It's when they brought in Miles Morales as Spider-Man and stuff like that. That was actually the last trade paperback I bought. Yep. was the end of all, uh, that part of the Ultimate Universe. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't continue reading it then. Okay, but I decided no, no. That was when I got my iPad. I was like, no, I'll keep getting it, keep getting it. It really started off weak, yep. and then got really strong by the end. The latest one they did with this big story with Galactus, the Galactus from the six one six universe that came over through the break in time, space and time because of the Age of Ultron thing. Yep. It, it it kind of finished quite weakly as well, and now they've done another relaunch of Ultimate. Yeah, and the new titles, like Ultimate FF, yeah. with like the Future Foundation, you got Tony Stark, Invisible Woman, Machine Man, and the Falcon. The artwork looks like it's done by a six-year-old. Okay. And the story is just... It, it's hard to actually get into the story because this, the artwork is just terrible. Okay. I'm actually now at the point where I'm finally going to drop Ultimate Comics. Mm-hmm. The stories that got... The books that got me back into comics all those years ago, and, you know, I was, wasn't reading Marvel 616 Universe, I'm loving all the new stuff, like all new X-Men, Amazing X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, X-Force, yep. Guardians of the Galaxy... I've been reading that more than I have been reading Ultimate. It's now kind of... Everything's coming almost full circle. I mean, look at it this way. Ultimate served its purpose. It got you back into comics. Yeah. And leave it at that. So, really disappointed with it. I was really disappointed with Forever Evil. So, there are a number of DC titles. I'm, I, I, I can't say I'd really drop a heap of them, but I thought I'll try this Future's End. It just really isn't interesting me. Okay. And Ultimate looks like it's finally getting kicked to the curb. Fair enough. But I think that's enough of comics. I agree. I think we're all exploded out. We are. are, We've exploded all over the place. (laughs) Before we wrap it up, you did want to follow up one thing before our next issue. Yeah, this time next week, I would have already been and come back from Sydney. Yes, (laughs) Supernova. Supernova. Yeah, I'm very excited. I was Mm -hmm. excited anyway, but on Saturday, they released the program. Mm. Uh, Hit the internet. Yep. And boy... I can tell you what, I'm I'm looking forward <laughs> to it anyway, but Friday afternoon in particular, because the convention's actually opening Friday afternoon. Yeah. I think it opens at one o'clock, mm. which I don't think they've really ever done before. No, Brisbane's always been the only three-day one they've done. Yeah, and it's always been a very... I mean, we were there... They sometimes do stuff on a Friday night. On a night, Friday night, yeah. But not halfway through the Friday at other places like Melbourne or Sydney, Perth, Adelaide, whatever they do. Yeah. So I saw the lineup of panels that's mm. happening on Friday afternoon. Boy, oh boy, I'm <laughs> planning on getting into that theatre and not moving from about, for about three and a half hours. What's on the agenda? One after the other. Let me hit you with this. Starting mm-hmm. at two o'clock, going, wrapping up around 5.30. Mm-hmm. Michael Rosenbaum. Oh. So Lex Luthor from Smallville. Flash from Justice League cartoon. E- exactly, yes. Uh, Katie Cassidy and Manu Bennett. Uh, Arrow. Mm-hmm. What about John Barrowman? He's John Barrowman is doing a panel after Katie Cassidy and Manu Bennett. Ah, uh, because he'd kind of do an arrow, but also because of Torchwood and Doctor Who and all that. Following John Barrowman, mm-hmm. Stan Lee. Oh, get <laughs> fucked. <laughs> and then I think that wraps up around 5.30. And the way it reads on the program is at 6 o'clock, they're having this big thing on the main stage where mm. they're going to welcome all the guests to Supernova, so oh. I think they're all going to come out on stage together. That's the way it reads to me. Depending on, because how many times have we been a Supernova and we've been lined up to interview some of the guests and stuff and they yeah. haven't even arrived right, at the yeah, convention yeah. yet and that's like halfway through the Saturday. And so, and then, I mean, for me, of course, uh, there's a panel on Saturday with uh, George Lazenby and Richard Keel, so yep. James Bond and Jaws, yep. so I can't wait for that. 
Uh, the other thing is, too, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Zach from Batmobile Australia because mm. when you look at the program and you go to the list of, um, it's not the exhibitors, but the basically the things you can do and see, yep. the first thing on the program is see the Batmobile and Batcycle. Oh, Batcycle? <laughs> well, that, the motorbike that he talked about, um, ah. that we talked about you know, when we did the Batmobile Joyride, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's his as well. It's got a Batman theme to it too. I completely forgot about the Batcycle. Yeah, so he's having the, his Batmobile and Cycle there, so I can't wait to catch up with Zach again. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know how nice he is. I might be able to sit in the car again. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I might steal the car. <laughs> but Drive yeah. back to the... Yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up with him as well. But look... Next issue, I'm going to fill you all in with the adventures that I have down in Sydney with Supernova. Hopefully, I'll have some audio stuff that I, I am sending you down with my gear. Uh, it's you've I can't never promise it will be great. Yeah, you've never really you've never really been the producer. No, you, you, you don't know how to the use the gear. I'm, I'm having to give you a crash course in it, but you are going to get what you can exactly. And we're going to pull it all into the next issue of Geekspeak Sidekick with yep. a bit of a Sydney Supernova wrap-up from you. Yes, it'll be a Sydney Supernova explosion. Ooh. And by the sound... when I saw <laughs> Considering the Stan Lee's there, that's going to be quite I saw an explosion. The, when I saw the lineup for Friday's panels, boy, did I explode. Uh, is there a panel for Ming-Na Wen from uh, there, there, Agents of Shield? There is, yeah, but it's not on the Friday afternoon. Uh, okay. For me, it was just like... I was looking at the lineup. I was like, oh, cool. Oh, cool. Holy shit. Oh, fuck. It was just like, <laughs> I'm bang, not moving bang, from this bang, seat. bang. Yeah, I mean, unless there's... they do the whole, you've got to clear out of the theatre and then come back into it. I'm hoping my media pass might get me around that. <laughs> <laughs> well, until that issue and the Sydney Supernova wrap up, be mm. sure to head along to the Facebook page for all your geeky needs Facebook.com forward slash Geekspeak TV. And send us an email with any thoughts, opinions, suggestions, or... Rants. Rants. Anything you want to send us to geekspeakau at gmail.com. Until then, I've been your host, the Geek of All Trades, Steve Muller. And I've been Geekspeak's boy wonder, Brendan. Geek out. <laughs>